This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I wish I could see you guys all in person right now. It's been a uh, obviously an extraordinary year. Uh, but uh, the University of Washington football team is extremely excited to get back uh, to normal here uh, and uh, get prepared for our 2020 season. Our players have worked extremely hard uh, since our bowl game in December uh, to prepare for this season, and they're extremely excited, along with our staff, to get this thing rolling. Okay, we will start with questions now, and Christian Capel will lead us off. Hey, Jimmy, um, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a point, kind of what your philosophy is on, on the point before the season where the starting quarterback needs to know that, that he's the starting quarterback and, and you need to let the team know that and everything, whether, whether you make an announcement or not publicly. Yeah, you know, it's a good, great question. You know, it's, it's really going to be more of, of when it feels right um, that that person has earned that job. And um, I would, I would, I would go at every position with that answer, not just the quarterback position. Uh, those guys are going to get their reps. I don't worry about reps. They're going to get their reps and they're going to take a bunch of mental reps. But as soon as somebody takes control and they're able to operate our offense and make plays in practice and be able to lead our team and, and it feels right, uh, then we will, then we will make that, uh, you know, announcement at that time. Um, if it doesn't feel right and we don't feel like our starter is ready to go that first game and we may have multiple guys play. And uh, again, that'd be the same answer for any position. I'm also curious, um, you know, given the length of the Pac-12 schedule, just how, re how realistic you think it is that, that the Pac-12 champion might end up in the playoff this year? Yeah, I think uh, the Pac-12 champion should definitely end up in the playoff. If, if somebody goes, you know, 7-0 or, or 6-1 and, and plays really good football, I think you also got to pay attention to how we're playing and, and watch those games close. You know, I know I see a bunch of teams ranked right now that gave up 60, 62 points on defense. And I don't know how uh, if you're a voter and you still rank them in the top 25 with their defense giving up points uh, like a basketball game. So got to be able to watch the games. And, and uh, these guys, you know, they, they, for the most part, I know the committee does a, a really fantastic job since the, this thing has began back in 2014. Um, if they watch one of our teams go through our conference, which is a very difficult conference, has a lot of talented players. Uh, a lot of talented players that get drafted by the highest level of, of football in the National Football League. And so, um, you know, if one of our teams goes through this conference and goes undefeated or one loss and they look good doing it, we deserve to be uh, in that uh, in that discussion to be in the CFP. Thanks. Okay, next question, we will go to Chris Fetters. Hey, Jimmy, uh, just was curious about – you, you guys lost a handful of starters in the offensive line last year to graduation. 
who do you see when you guys get to put the pads on next week? Who are going to be the major players at both the tackle position battles as well as center? Yeah, I know it's going to be interesting. You know, our, our whole team hasn't put on pads since uh, since December. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all in that situation, you know, across the country. Uh, but, Chris, I mean, we, we, we got to find out next week, once we get those pads popping, who's going to rise up and who who's done their homework on the offseason and knows all their stuff inside and out. I mean, two guys that you know are going to are going to play a major uh, uh, part of our offensive line is Jackson Kirkland and Luke Wattenberg. I mean, those are two guys that play a lot of football around here. They played at a high level. Um, but then after that, we got a bunch of young guys that are really, really talented. And I'm excited to watch uh, those guys compete and, and see who's going to be on opening day. I'll just follow up real quick. I was curious, do you see position changes for either one of those guys? Because I know Jackson played right guard last year. Luke played left guard. There's thought about maybe left tackle for Jackson, maybe center for Luke. Can you maybe give us some more information on those, on those things? Yeah, you know, those guys are going to have to be fluid. They're going to have to bounce back and forth. And I don't think you can ever just say, hey, this guy's going to play this one position. Especially, I mean, this is even without the COVID year, guys got to be able to be flexible and move inside to outside. But now with everything that we're dealing with right now and possibly, you know, you know losing a couple of guys to injury or, um, you know, they're in quarantine because of the coronavirus, guys are definitely going to have to play inside. They're going to have to play outside. And those two guys that I mentioned, Jackson Kirk and Luke Wattenberg, um, I believe could play at a high level um, at any position across the line. Great. Thanks, Jimmy. Okay, next question. We will go to Kim Grinnells. Mute button. Kim, I think you did that like two weeks ago. I see the mute button still muted. <laughs> Come on. We're six months in the pandemic, man. You got you to figure out the mute button. Okay, go ahead. I think it was Fetters last week, by the way. No, oh, it was. It was my fault. My fault, Kim. Hey, um, just, you know, personnel, roster stuff, any additions, subtractions, any opt-ins, any opt-outs. And also, um, watching the Mississippi State-Arkansas uh, game last week, that Arkansas defense sure looked like your defense in the Apple Cup. Since the LSU-Mississippi State game, have you received any phone calls from any coaches on the Mississippi State schedule? So, so your first question, we're going to talk about all that in my press conference um, on Friday, uh, right after our first uh, practice. We, we will, uh, you know, discuss anything that has to do with the roster on Friday. So I'd like to answer that uh, on Friday afternoon. And then to your second question, um, you know, it's been fun watching football, obviously, just kind of sitting back as we prepare for our season. And, um, you know, there's been some tremendous games in other conferences. And you just mentioned a, a couple of games that, that were fun to watch and Got to see some former Pac-12 coaches, you know, have some success last week and not so much this following week. And, and um, hey, that's how football is going to be. And uh, it's, it's, it's fun to watch guys, uh, you know, go against a scheme that we've gone over, you know, that we've gone against for years. It, that I've always told you guys is a very difficult scheme. And you can ask uh, their previous opponent about that. Um, but I think you're going to find out that uh, other teams are going to have some success. And they're also going to have some failures against that scheme. And it really is a, uh, a genius scheme. And um, they're still going to put up a lot of points. Thanks, Jimmy. Next question, we'll go to Mike Burrell. Hey, Jimmy. Um, I have two kind of unrelated questions. The first one being, I know that you don't have game times yet, but what is your thought about the prospect of 9 a.m. kickoffs? And second, you mentioned the quarterback battle a little bit. 
do you know who's going to be taking the first snaps on Friday? I do not know that. So that's easy. The first one or the second question there. The first question is I, I see a lot of positives in it. Um, I used to live on the East coast and it, uh, it is hard to watch West coast games because uh, the times are just, they're just so different. We're fortunate on the West coast. We get to watch every single game at a decent time and at a decent hour. Um, and so I don't mind the nine o'clock games at all. I think they're going to be, I think they'll be great. They'll be great for the PAC 12. They'll be great for the East coast uh, teams to, and, and uh, excuse me, the media and fans and the other football coaches across country be able to watch uh, what an exciting and what a talented conference the, the PAC 12 is. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Okay. Next question. We'll go to Larry stone. Hi, Jimmy. Um, regarding the, the topic of the Pac-12 getting into the national playoffs, do you think the conference is still fighting a negative perception? And if so, how does it change or elevate that? And, and also, you have said in the past that you think a lot of that is sort of an East Coast bias at play. Do you still believe that? Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I, I was able to coach in the National Football League and be able to scout um, all the conferences, not just the power five conferences. And there's really talented team, really good talented teams, talented players across the whole country. Um, it is definitely an East coast bias. Uh, the way, the way we can change it is, is we've got to go win some football games as a, as a Pac-12 conference against those non-conference opponents. Uh, we also got to get them to come out here, uh, out to, to our neck of the woods, uh, which has been hard, uh, to do in recent years and, uh, was scheduled to happen this year, but, Lo and behold, I mean, the pandemic hits, and now two of those teams uh, weren't able to come over here to the West Coast and play some Pac-12 opponents on, on our turf. And, you know, to go along with this, and, and I've shared this uh, on my radio show and maybe a couple, uh, you know, locally here, you know, I believe it should be a 16 playoff. This would be a first – this would be a great year to start it. And I think all Power 5 champions should be in the CFP. Um, I don't believe if you don't win your division or you don't win your conference, you would deserve to be in the CFP. And we've had those teams go into the CFP in the last six years. I think uh, we still rank them exactly the way we rank them. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the committee does a, a fabulous job. The one seed and the two seed get a bye. And then the three plays the six, the, po- the four plays the five, and the winners move on and they play the one and the two. And then we got your final four and away you go. It's very, very simple. That sixth spot, I think, should be reserved for an independent, a possibly undefeated, highly ranked group of five, or maybe it is a highly ranked second place team in a conference uh, that uh, has performed very well during that year. I think that way you're, you will guarantee there's just no, you take all the subjectivity out of it, all the politics, the East Coast, all that, let the champions move on. And let's see, let's see, let, let the teams play, let the teams play. And we'll, and we'll see who, who the best team is at the end of the year. Okay. Next question. We'll go to Dan Raley. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Dan. Hey, with, um, if I understand this right with eligibility kind of frozen this year, could you play a lot of guys more than you usually would? No question. Yes, you could. Yes, you can. And I think uh, we will definitely use that, uh, you know, resource here, especially, you know, due to the, you know, the coronavirus and possibly having, 
you know, a few guys that are out, uh, maybe contact tracing. Now they're sitting for 14 days or maybe they're, you know, unfortunate enough to have the virus and they have to sit out. I think that's going to be, uh, you know, a great resource for not only us, for the whole country to be able to use their players. And um, so we don't we don't put our guys at risk of injury uh, by taking too many reps. And so I think that's a that's a was a great decision by the NCAA. And we'll definitely use that here at Washington. Okay, next question, we'll go to jo Joseph Claypool. Hi, Coach. Um, so just a quick question about um, the crossover game. Um, how do you feel about who you guys currently have set up for that game? Is there another team you would have preferred to have for a stronger schedule to have a better chance of making it to the CFPs? You know, I think the Pac-12 did a, did a terrific job of setting uh, up the schedule. Uh, you know, we're, we're obviously playing um, our North opponents, to, to, to vie for the right to, to represent the North in the Pac-12 championship. They kept all the home and the way sites exactly the way they were going to be in 2020, which won't affect our calendars moving forward in 2021 and beyond. And then how they selected our, uh, our one opponent uh, from the South. It was an opponent that was supposed to, to come here anyway. And so the way they're going to do it is, you know, we had three away games in the North and we have to, to make it equal. We're going to have three home games. So they picked one of the home opponents that we we're going to play here in Husky Stadium in 2020, uh, regardless. And they did that across the board in the in the whole conference. So I think it was a uh, a fabulous job by those guys of setting that thing up. I know it was, had to look like a Rubik's cube trying to fit all the pieces together, but they but they did it, and uh, we're excited to play our schedule. Thank you. Okay, next question will come from Bruce Feldman. Hey, Jimmy, I was curious with your six-team playoff idea, how much have you shared with your peers? And, like, has there been much on, uh, lobbying on your part to try to get that idea more traction? Bruce, this, this, this is awesome. Good, good to hear from you, by the way. I have my model all drawn up for the last – since the CFP has started and how it would have ended up with the rankings of how, how, the, how the college football committee ranked them who won the championship and who actually would have been matched up. And I think, and I, I could send it to you after this. And it, and I think you guys would all and the college football fans would drool over this schedule. Uh, you, you, you give bonus points to the teams that are ranked one and two. Those teams are probably undefeated anyway, and they, they'll get that by. And then all the conference champions are represented. And you, you're actually going to see who, who ended up if, if a group of five made it or maybe a second place, uh, Big Ten, Pac-12 opponent made it in that. Years, um, but I have shared it internally, definitely with our uh, athletic director, Jen Cohen. Uh, I think we could all get behind it. I think anything after six is too many. I think we know we, we, we know who the top top teams are in the country. And if you've got the power five represented plus one, there's going to be very minimal argument beyond that. And if you don't win your championship, if you don't win your own championship or your own division, then you don't deserve, you don't deserve to, to vie for a national championship. That's just my opinion. But I would love to share. I, I have it all. Uh, I have it all planned out and you, I'll send it to you. I'd love to send it to you. How long did it take you to kind of map this all out? I had the help of my son, uh, my, my oldest son. Uh, he, he listened to my idea and he's like, dad, that sounds pretty good. 
And uh, he went back through and we did all the matchups. Um, and it was, it was great. One, one of the years we ended up, the seed that we would have been, uh, I think it was in 2018, we would have played Notre Dame. We would have played Notre Dame. Who, I mean, I know our fans would have loved to see that matchup. And the winner would have moved on to play the one or the two seed. Uh, but uh, it took me about less than an hour, less than an hour. And um, takes all, a lot of subjectivity out of it. And let's get the conference champions in. Let's, let's give the group of five, the independents, like the Notre Dames, the BYUs, a chance also. And um, I think it'd be great for college football. Thanks, Jimmy. Thank you. Okay, next question will come from Ruth Robbins. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Ruth. Hey, um, you know, as you know, I mean, UW was picked to finish third in the Pac-12 North and sixth in the conference in the preseason media poll. Um, I didn't we, know that, but go ahead. Well, you do now. Um, <laughs> we all know there's a, a lot of unknowns with injuries and chemistry and just plain luck on the bounce of the ball. But, you know, and I'm not asking you to do a Joan Namath prediction, but uh, – my question is just, do, do you feel that you have the talent to win the Pac-12? And, and how talented is this team, in your opinion? Yeah, so the first thing is it comes back to, to hard work and, and, and great practice habits. Uh, we feel like we have some extremely talented players that have been here, and we've also brought in some really good players uh, that are extremely talented but now we, we got to coach these guys up and we got to instill our work ethic and, and, and how we grind around here. Um, they've been doing a fabulous job uh, since school has began and we've been able to do these walkthroughs with them and, and learning their schemes on each side of the ball and on special teams. And then we're going to really find out, you know, who our real guys are when the pads get on and we start flying around a little bit and, and hitting each other and, and playing and playing football for real. Um, and this, you know, this is on us coaches to, to, get our players to improve each and every single day and then prepare for our first opponent. And once we do that and we do things the right way, we, we will see where we are uh, after game one. And then we got to steadily improve after game one to game two to game three and beyond. And as a follow-up question that's kind of unrelated, do you know it yet about how the game day experience is going to work in terms of the fan noise being pumped in? I mean, I was watching the Seahawks game, and, and it just sounded like a regular Seahawks game, but there's no fans there. Um, is there? Have you talked much with Jen or the event planning uh, committee on how they're going to – committee or whoever does this – about mm -hmm. how this is going to work at Husky Stadium? Yeah, so it's going to be more at the Pac-12 level. They've had those discussions, and they're, those discussions are still uh, continuing – uh, whatever the Pac-12 decides, we will do on a you know equal basis across all all, all 12 schools. Um, you know, I know it'll it'll sound better for TV if there's at least a little bit of you know noise, some noise from the crowd. Uh, but all the exact details, Ruth, I'm sorry, that's still going to come out here from the Pac-12. Um, but they're sorting it out, and whatever they decide, it won't be from each school. It'll be conference-wide, and and we'll do it equally. Okay, next question will come from Lars Hansen. How's it going, Coach? Lars, how you doing? Good. So I remember you mentioned, I believe, to Christian a while back earlier this year, the impact that it's going to have on recruiting. Um, and especially, I think he mentioned in the 2022 classes, how have you seen the impact in recruiting and how do you project that it will, given that the NCAA extended the dead period through uh, January, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, you know, and, and unfortunately – I do agree with what the NCAA handed out with 
the dead period. Um, I think uh, the, the health and safety of our players, our staff, and then all the recruits and prospects across the country. Uh, of course, we want them to go see, uh, you know, all the colleges and, and be able to pick which one uh, that best suits them. But just in, for safety purposes, they made the right decision. And yes, you're right. You know, so the 2021 class, which I've discussed before, uh, you know, we've been recruiting these guys for three and a half years, three years, some four years already. And, and they've been to our place and they've been to other places. And, and, and some guys already know they want to come to the University of Washington. That's, that, that class is not going to be affected uh, too much. But 2022 and beyond, I definitely feel for those guys because they have not been able to go on to the college campuses that maybe they thought, hey, this is where I want to go. Um, hopefully things clear up in 2021. But also from an evaluation standpoint, uh, with a lot of schools, especially in our footprint, Washington, California, you know, Oregon, uh, we haven't been able to just watch high school football and watch these guys develop. Uh, there's definitely coaching staffs across the country are going to have to do their extra homework to find the guys that have grown three, four inches and got fit, got faster and got and, and got bigger, and all of a sudden turned into a a, a big time prospect. And so that that'll be a challenge for coaches. Uh, but I definitely feel for those high school players um, that, uh, you know, weren't able to, to, to show all the growth that they've had and, and what they've been doing in the weight room. And then one last follow-up. Has there been any discussions or do you know what the latest is on whether the, the December signing day will stay, February, any, anything around that note? I, I've heard everything's going to remain exactly the same, which I completely agree with. Uh, like I just mentioned, uh, you know, the 2021 class, these guys have, already been on a lot of unofficial visits for the last three years. Uh, they, a lot of our, uh, you know, a lot of these players know where they go, whether it's here or, or whether it's somewhere else, their decisions have been made. Let those, let those guys sign in December. If they're not, if they're not sure there's, it's set up perfectly. Uh, we have another signing day of February. And so the guys that are not sure and maybe still want to poke around and, and, and look at some other uh, uh, universities, uh, let those guys sign in February, in February, but everything that I've heard, it's, uh, the schedule, the uh, signing periods will remain exactly as they are. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Okay, next question will come from Michael. Hey, Coach, thank you for doing this. Uh, I just wanted to ask, what do you think Washington and the Pac-12 as a whole can do to improve the national perception of the teams in the conference, even if there is that East Coast bias that you talk about? And I would personally agree with, what do you think we can do as a conference and Washington themselves to improve that perception? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it, it comes down to we, we got to win those non-conference games that uh, we have not won in the last couple of years. Uh, once we begin to do that on a, on a continual basis, that'll definitely help the image uh, of the Pac-12. Uh, but we, got some, we have some really good teams out here and with some really good football players and some really good coaches uh, that have played, that have coached a lot of football and, and, you know, it's it, it just the way it is that we, we are one conference out here at West. There's a vast land out here that we're all representing and uh, it, it, you know, it's unfortunate, but the, the way the, the way the national media likes to characterize it is, is there's this one conference way out there and, and, and uh, you know, they're not at par with the other conferences, which is you know completely untrue. And the other thing, like I mentioned already, is we got to get we got to drag some of these schools to come out here and come out to our to, to our turf and play out here, which uh, if you if you go back and look at the schedules, it has not happened uh, very much. You know, it's a neutral side game. It's usually closer to their footprints and with all their fans. And, um, you 
know, that advantage goes to them. And so we got to get those non-conference games out here uh, and uh, let them play in our environments. We'll return the favor. We'll go back out there. But this is a strong conference um, that uh, I think you're going to see continue uh, to play good football and continue to have NFL draft picks uh, that will be continually selected um, out of this conference. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Okay, we're going to have time for uh, a few more. We'll start with Kelsey Eckberg. Hi, Coach. Thanks so much for your time and so glad to see that you're doing well. Um, with the football season about to start, ASU released an analysis that found within the last 10 years, coaches of color had a lower chance of being hired as a head coach, even though they typically have more experience than their hired white counterparts. As a coach of color, what does it mean to you hearing those statistics? You said that they won't get rehired. Is that what the statistics said? No, the, um, they will end up not getting hired at all, even though they have more oh. experience. Yeah, so I've, I've discussed this um, with a lot of coaches, uh, the, you know, over the, fat, the past few years. The first thing we have to do is we have to get more coordinators, defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators um, of color across the country. And as soon as we get to that model, I think you'll start to see more candidates that can, that can go and, uh, and, and interview for head jobs and be successful. And um, I think when we start at that level and have more coordinators, because if you look across the country, there's not a lot of coordinators that are, that are minorities. And a lot of, not a lot of position coaches coaching running backs, wide receivers, D-line, O-line, just rise and accelerate and, and excel and go up to being head football coaches. And so if we can get more coordinators across the country, I think that's going to help with our um, obviously low levels of head coaches um, of color. Thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Next question from Dave Mahler. Hey, Jimmy, how are you, man? Great. I don't know Dave. I know Safi, but what's up, man? How you doing, Safi? <laughs> Good. Uh, those uh, non-conference games, and it seems like every year there's one in Atlanta in the SEC at the Falcon Stadium. You got a couple new stadiums in Vegas and L.A. obviously have opened up. Would you be in favor of playing some big-time uh, non-conference neutral site games in places like Vegas and Los Angeles? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I mean, of course, what we would love to do is a home and home, which we've had, which we have a couple set up, but obviously this one this year got disrupted. The home and home, I think, is great because, uh, you know, it's it's back to back years and it, it's fair. One time they come here and one time we go there. Uh, I think those are those are fantastic. But yes, for sure, these these uh, neutral site games, I think that that site in Las Vegas is going it, to it looks beautiful on TV. I can't wait to actually visit in person. Uh, it would be it would be phenomenal to get uh, those guys to come out in our neck of the woods uh, with our fan base. Uh, I, I think that would be awesome. So, Sahi, let's get that set up. And then, do you know do you know anything about trying to reschedule a Michigan game that was called off this year? I do not. I do not. All all I know is we're we're going there next year. I, that's all I know at this point. Cool. Yep. Okay, we'll go back to uh, Mike Varell. Uh, Jimmy, I think you said on your radio show last week that inside linebacker was one of your deepest positions, which 
might surprise some people because it's also a, a pretty young position still for you guys. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, who do you think is really going to lead the way at that spot? Yeah, so it's a, it's a deep position in terms of we have a lot of bodies. Uh, that was the, the question was, what are your deepest position? It wasn't what's your deepest position with, uh, with veterans that have played a lot of football. Uh, we are almost six deep at that position. Uh, and we were young last year at that position. And we almost have everybody back at that position. And plus we signed, uh, you know, some, some, some recruits. And so that's what we're excited about. Those guys are, have been training uh, since, since December. And I feel really good about uh, their growth. And, uh, you know, right now, you know, Jackson Sermon's played some football for us. He's, he's looking really well, obviously, uh, Edifuan, Ula Fashio, uh, and I could go on and on junior to when I mean, we've got some, we've got some talented guys uh, that have played football for us and they're now they're coming back. Uh, so I'm excited about that group, but we definitely got to go out there and prove it uh, on game day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 